There is no loyalty except loyalty to the party. There is no love except love of Big Brother. All competing pleasures. Listening to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. This is our sidetrack episode for the week. My name's Quentin. Got my brother Travis with me as always. Travis, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great, man. You know why? Because I'll be seeing your ass in a couple of days. Again? Dude, what a treat. Mm-hmm. What a treat. So, hold on, Q. So, you're telling me that that was the Eurythmics that was playing in that intro. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, hang on, dude. You're jumping the gun, bro. So, today we're talking about the Eurythmics. And the reason we're talking about the Eurythmics, and we're tying it back to Spoon, uh, according to Britt Daniel in this interview that he did with Pitchfork, I don't know off the top of my head what year it was but we referenced it in our full-length episode last week on spoons kill the moonlight um i think the question he was asked was you know like what's an you know what's a what's an overlooked album that people should listen to and he mentions the soundtrack for the movie 1984 which of course is based off george orwell's book of the same name uh, this movie came out in 1984 because how could you not jump at the opportunity to release a movie based on this book, which I think was written in like the 50s, uh, in the year 80, 1984, you know? You're doing it wrong if you don't release it in that year. Um, and it that's was kind of like, Eurythmics. That's kind of like when um, that date that uh, Marty McFly went to in the future... You remember when the date actually came came yeah, around? Yeah, well, actually wasn't that long ago. No. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why um, I thought of that, but, you know. Yeah, that's kind of random, dude. But, yeah, you know, if, you know, whenever this guy wrote 1984, there was probably filmmakers out there that were like, I cannot wait till the year 1984 because I'm going to make that movie. Yep. Somebody did. fucking jump on that shit. Yep. Yeah, so... This is, um, this is a, a soundtrack, or you know, let's just call it an arrhythmics album that Brett Daniel really loves, and he he thinks it's something that people should listen to. And yes, that intro clip I just kind of spliced together a scene from the movie that I found online, and I just overdubbed it with with uh, one of the songs from um, the soundtrack. So. One thing I thought was kind of weird, and I haven't watched the movie all the way through, but I watched a lot of clips of it uh, preparing for this episode, and it seems like the majority of the clips, at least, um, just had music from the score. And as I assume most people know, you know, with, with movies, usually there's a soundtrack that's released that may have like songs, you know, whether they're just songs that are on the radio, you know, that happen to pop up on 
the movie. Like I've got the soundtrack for uh, Full Metal Jacket, and the majority of the soundtrack is just songs from like the '60s and '70s that pop up in the movie. You know, right? And then you've got a score for the movie. Think like Jurassic Park, right? What's the yeah. name of that guy? Cinematic that John Williams. Yeah, John Williams. Yeah, come on. Think, man. yeah, that's yeah. When you think score, think that kind of stuff. Yeah. Stuff that was written, composed, stuff like that for the movie. All the clips that I saw of the film were had you know the actual score of the film in the scene. I couldn't find any clips that actually had one of the arrhythmic songs from the soundtrack in it. So, but uh, that song was called uh, Winston's Diary, and if you've read the book, Winston's the main character. Um, and that was just a some random scene that I pulled from it that I thought was cool. So yeah, that that's the arrhythmics, dude. And what's cool about this soundtrack, there's so the majority of the songs do feature Annie Lennox, who's the main singer in the arrhythmics. Um, actually, hey, let's backtrack real quick. If you don't know much about the arrhythmics, um, they were a British. Actually, I think they're still around. I don't know if they do stuff together, but I know Annie Lennox is still actually releasing um, songs. But they were a British duo from the early '80s, um, pretty heavy in like the elect- like the early electronic music scene. Um, and I'm gonna actually play a clip from one of their mega hits. Um, I mean, I think so, when you play it. No matter who you are, you've heard this song before. I feel like most people, at least people around our age or older, for sure, have heard this song. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so so this actually was a song that came out one year earlier, in 1983, on their third album, Touch. Um, and yeah, dude, I know this one cracked the top ten. Um, I don't know about the U.S., but it definitely cracked the top cracked the <laughs> crapped it definitely cracked the top 10 in the uk um so this is a song or this is the single from that album it's called here comes the rain again
So I feel like that's one of those timeless songs, you know? I mean, it's yeah. it's 80s through and through, right? But, like, that's just one of those songs, man. It's timeless. I mean, I, I don't... When I hear Eurythmics, I, you know, I don't... I don't place them in, like, the cliche 80s um, sound. I mean, they're definitely, a, like, iconic 80s group. But I'm just saying, like... They, you know, they were, they were, they had some, uh, some unique qualities about them that, that, that made them memorable, you know? Yeah, I think so too. Um, their first, well, I don't, so their second studio album had Sweet Dreams Are Made of This in it, uh, which is another one of those timeless songs by the Eurythmics. But, um, yeah, there's, there's something, there's something different about them. And uh, so again, it's two people. It's Annie Lennox and David Stewart. And Stewart is the brains behind all the electronic stuff, all the weird uh, synthesized stuff that's going on. That's all him. Annie Lennox provides the vocals. That's it. And so by 1984, you know, they had already seen all this success, both in the UK and the US. So. You know, so they, they thought, said, "I know what to do. Let's make a soundtrack." Yeah, let's 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 jump on this on this opportunity to do a soundtrack. And the reason that they jumped on the opportunity was because they were getting creative freedom, basically to kind of do what they want, what they wanted to do for the soundtrack. And they actually recorded it in the Bahamas. I don't know if that was their choice or what, but um, and one thing that I thought was kind of cool. If you listen to the soundtrack all the way through, they have a lot of more organic uh, percussion in the mix. Um, They used these drummers that were on the island. They're called Junkanoo drummers. Okay. Uh, They're these drummers that play these uh, conga kind of drums um, that they like they heat up over fires to stretch the skins right before they play them so apparently they had all these all these drummers from the island inside the studio like lighting up the drum skins like over flames and doing all this stuff so it was you know it was really cool um he says and by he i say i mean uh stewart stewart says i had 10 of these guys in the studio um you know, playing all these incredible rhythms, which I used as the backbone of the tracks. I wanted to mix those real ancient tribal ritual sounds with the high-tech modern sound of the Arrhythmics, the old and the new, to illustrate what I feel about 1984. With the whole, you know, the whole thing about Big Brother, etc., the way people try to dominate others has been going on for as long as man has been here. That's pretty cool, right? I thought yeah, that was, that was a, a cool thing to do. Um, so shit kind of hits the fan for the Eurythmics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of crap that went down with them between the director of the movie and um, their record label, which was Virgin. Um, so director was Michael Radford. And uh, he had actually commissioned a completely separate score for the film. And 
didn't. He actually wasn't even interested in using the songs that the Arrhythmics turned in. So they they make this entire soundtrack for this movie, and he didn't even tell them about this. Uh, the, re- the director for the movie didn't even want to use their songs. Um, and they said they were talking with the producer every day, basically, or every other day. And um, there wasn't any inference at all with these conversations that they didn't like what they were hearing. Um, so that's fucking bullshit. But they, but, u- but they used it. Well, here's the deal, dude. Uh, in comes Richard Branson. The Richard Branson that you're thinking of. Virgin Records. The, the, the boss man of Virgin Records. The guy that's trying to fly people to the fucking Mars alongside... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Elon Musk. He, uh, Richard Branson, also produced this movie. That's so weird. Vir- yeah, so Virgin Records produced this movie. And Richard Branson basically struck up a deal for the Arrhythmics because they also happened to be on his record label. Um, and... The Virgin Records stepped in to ensure that their songs were going to be used over Radford and Perry's objections. Perry is the is the the other uh, producer of the movie. Hmm. He also didn't want their songs to be in the movie. That's some bullshit, dude. But the the fact that 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 Michael Radford, the director of the movie, is like kind of going behind their back, like like you know, completely. Like getting an entire different separate score for the film for the film commissioned and all that, and not telling them about it. That's some bullshit, dude. Sounds like some Ron Lafitte type stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that's some Ron Lafitte level bullshit, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but anyways, it all worked out. I, I feel like it was probably more trouble than it was worth for the Arrhythmics because they already had all this success. But in the end, regardless of, of all that bullshit. It's a really cool record. It really is um, worth listening to for sure. Uh, the single on this soundtrack is called Sex Crimes, you know, and that's part of that like double speak weirdness that comes about in, in uh, the concepts behind 1984. I don't, did you ever read the book, dude? I don't think I did. It's, it's worth reading, man. Um, it's good. But yeah, um, their single Sex Crimes also brought out brought about a, a lot of controversy in the u.s uh there were a, a bunch of radio stations particularly ones around the bible belt that refused to play the song on the radio because the lyrics were offensive and too controversial linux so any linux is like i think this is bullshit and hypocritical of them because all of these radio stations played the shit out of prince's song erotic city which right. is full of sexual innuendo sure um and this song for, for this movie 1984 sex crimes is way more of a political statement than anything else but anyways yeah so like i said a lot of a lot of shit went down uh in the process of of making this soundtrack for, for this movie um actually haven't even said the full name of the movie the name of the book is 1984, but the movie's called 1984 for the love of Big Brother. So, anyways, with all that shit said, let's play our my my pick for this sidetrack. 
Um, this is a song called um, Ministry of Love, which is the second to last track on the soundtrack. Um, I like this song because her vocals don't really shine through at all. I don't know if she even pops up in this one. But they've got they've definitely got those Junka new drummers on there. Um, and there's also some, some more like tribal singing in there that I thought was really cool. Um, so anyways, yeah, let's let's play it. Again, this song is called Ministry of Love.
So the more I listened, I guess the more the song progressed, the more I, I liked it, actually. Cool. At first, I, you know, I was kind of consumed with like the... I mean, I love, I've always loved the 80s synth sound. So... Yeah. And especially that like Dude, that, that sci-fi the, type, um, you know, like you said, Tron kind of sound. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the drumming. So here's the thing, especially when the female vocals came in, it really re- reminded me of "Remain in Light" by the Talking Heads, which came out in 1980. On that record specifically, David Byrne was influenced by this Nigerian musician named Fila Kuti. And so, like, throughout the album, you've got these African polyrhythms and, and funk and, and, and whatnot. And the, those kind of vocal, female vocal tracks, like, thrown into songs here and there. Especially The Great Curve, track three on that record. So, anyway, I feel like that may have been something that was going on in the 80s with, like, Afrobeat sort of influencing um, pop music, you know? Yeah, and I totally get why... David Stewart of the Arrhythmics uh, went this route for this movie, like he was saying. You know, 1984 deals with, uh, you know, man overtaking man, basically, which is something that has been going on since the dawn of of the human race, really, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of cool to, to choose these more tribal sounds to go you know juxtaposed alongside these arrhythmics like 80s synthetic sounds um i thought it was really well done Uh, so that's our sidetrack for this week um thank you brit daniel for shedding some light on this album for us i never in a million years dude i I mean honestly i I probably never would have listened to this ever i would never even know that it existed especially if the majority of the movie happens to just have the score other than or the score rather than the arrhythmic songs for the soundtrack right which is fucking weird to me i don't know if maybe that was the thing that happened more in the 80s where like they would have a soundtrack that was really songs that were even separate from the movie itself but yeah man i don't know if i would have ever listened to this soundtrack if it wasn't for Britt daniel so Thank you, Bertano. I love you. We know. (laughs) So, um, wrapping this up, next week we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to get back into the more of the electronic, down-tempo kind of stuff and cover Lossel's fourth studio album, uh, called First Narrows, which came out in 2004. So again, did we find ourselves in the early 2000s? God damn it. We can't yeah, but escape the early aughts, bro. We, no, but yeah, you know, this is not, well, this is not an emo record or a, or a indie rock record. Or a post-punk or indie yeah. rock. Yeah. yeah this it's is... just funny that like, uh, we're not even doing this on purpose but we we sure are covering a lot of albums from the early 2000s and again i mean you know we're th- we're 30 year olds this is the early right. 2000 this is when we were listening to music on our own discovering music on our own for the first time so it makes sense yeah but um 
Yeah, eventually. So, you know what? But hey, we just did a sidetrack on the Eurythmics from the early 80s. So Yeah, dude. We did okay. Echo and the Bunny Man a couple of weeks back. I mean, we've... Yeah, we've, you're we've, right. You know, you're right. Our, uh, <laughs> our emo episode had a ton of stuff from the 80s. So, I mean, you know, we're spreading Truth. it out. Truth. Um, but, dude, I'm really excited to cover Lossal because I feel like... For me, Lossal and, you know, kind of like what we were saying about Tosca. Um, Lossal uh, had a big influence on the kind of music that I listened to going forward in that genre. You know, I I love his sound. I think he inspired me to listen to more of that kind of music. Yeah. Uh, and seek it out, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he's sort of in a league of his own, I think, as far as elect, uh, the way he approaches ambient music, the way that he adds uh, drum beats and, 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 and percussion and whatnot is, to me, is what makes it. Because it's electronic. I don't like the, I don't really like the term IDM because dance music, you would not classify this as dance music whatsoever. But you can't dance to Lossal, dude. No, you not at all. Can't. Absolutely not. But what yeah. I'm saying is, uh, you know, I guess the term IDM is kind of used for like more um, like background type electronic music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Electronic music that you're not going to hear in a dance club. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, but hey, let's not get too into it, bro. Yeah. We got a whole episode to cover. Right. So, yeah, that's going to be our, our our full episode next week. We're going to cover Lossel's fourth studio album, First Narrows. And uh, I guess, well, you know what? I almost forgot. Hop on to our website, nofillerpodcast.com. There you can find show notes for each episode, including notes for our sidetrack episodes. Uh, You can stream our podcast directly from our website. We've got uh, SoundCloud players embedded on there. Um, And you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Please leave us a comment. Let us know how we're doing. Um, Pretty much any podcast app that you listen to podcasts on, we should be on there. You can find us on there. You can subscribe to us through there. And, um, yeah, as always, thank you so much for listening. For our outro song for this one, I'm going to just do another song from this soundtrack by the Eurythmics. Um, This one, I feel like it could have been like a standalone Eurythmic song. Um, you know, so is this like the, is this playing during the credits or something? Uh, you know, probably. Uh, yeah, this is this is just a just a good rhythmic song. I feel like um, this was track three on this soundtrack. Um, it's called "For the Love of Big Brother," and that's going to do it for us this week. Um, thank you so much for listening. My name is Quentin. My name is Travis. Take care now. Bye-bye then. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 